one. Um, when the Lord gave this to me, he gave it to me at general conference and spoke to me that not only for our church, but for this district, it would be the breaking point that would take us further into his will and his purpose and the revival that God wants for this church and for this district. And so as I preach this, I want you to be thinking of Ezekiel's vision. He sees in a vision water begin to flow out from the altar out of the temple. It begins to flow, and, and the angel measures the first distance, and it's to the ankles, and the second to the knees, and the third to the waist. And then he measured again, and it was waters to swim in. What I'm about to preach, I want you to keep that in mind. I'm going to refer to that. That is not my text, but I'm going to refer to that. And I believe that when we leave here today, we're going to leave here with a prophetic understanding of who we are and how we can maintain and go forward in this permanent shift that God has given us. Amen. And so while I'm preaching this in a collective sense for the body of Christ, for the assembly, right? You can also claim this personally. Some of you have, have come to a place where how's God going to do, provide, heal, save, and today you're going to receive answers, I believe, in Jesus' name. Psalm 80 is, will be the beginning of my text. Psalm 80, verse 3. Verse 7 and then verses 17 through 19. Hallelujah. Verse 3, turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. Verse 7, turn us again, O God of hosts, and cause thy face to shine and we shall be saved. Verse 17, let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the son of man whom thou madest strong for thyself, so we will not Excuse me. So will not we go back from thee, quicken us, and we will call upon your name. Turn us again, O Lord of hosts. Cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. You can see verses 3, 7, and 19 are virtually the same thing. Turn us again. Let us pray. I'm going to preach today. Revival is a four-letter word. Father, you are the living word. I ask now that you make my tongue the pen of a ready writer. Speak both your logos and your rima to your church. Open our understanding that we might comprehend the scripture. Cause every hindrance to be rebuked and cast out. Bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we pray all of this in your most marvelous and majestic name, Jesus. And give you all the glory and the honor forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Can you praise him with me for a moment? Hallelujah. The, the English Standard Version uh, opens up this with the superscription the in, or the inscription, and it adds that it's a testimony. Now, there's nothing in Psalm 80 that would suggest it's a testimony, but as I studied it, as I prayed about it, God did reveal to me, indeed, this was a testimony, because Asaph was both saying, God, if you'll get us back on the right path, if you'll get us pointed in the right direction, we won't go back to what we did before. It's a prayer of repentance, but he wrote it as a testimony saying, I'm looking looking into the future, I'm peering in through the lens of the prophetic uh, utterance of God, believing that as we move in this direction, we're never going back to where we came from. 
And so I'm bringing you that today as a testimony that we will never go back the way it was before. I, I prophesy today as Joshua did that we're crossing over our Jordan and we're not looking back. That God has brought us to a place of revival, a shift that we will never go back to the way things used to be. It was over a year ago that God prophesied right in this church in a prayer meeting that TCOO has been given a shift, not a season. It's permanent and not temporary and I believe today is going to answer that question and how we can operate in that shift. I also believe it's also for our entire state and as we've just seen today, it's for Santa Fe New Mexico. It's for people from the Congo. It's from people from Togo. It's Hispanics. It's going to reach the world. Hallelujah. I will tell you this as well. Men and women who do not know what is in my notes, who have not heard this sermon, have sent me text messages such as Vicki Vernon this very morning, uh, such as Ryan Near, who have said prophetic things to confirm and affirm the Word of God. So I want you to know I'm standing here under the covering of my elders uh, who are praying for me, uh, who are speaking words over me, who know something is shifting in Nebraska that will be reverberating around the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is not just a flash in the pan. And so today, I see in the Spirit angels observing this very service to see how you will respond. At Nazareth, they wondered after His word and said, is this not the carpenter's son? He did not many mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. Yet at Capernaum, same message. The Bible says they were in awe at his word, for it was with authority. And the Bible says at Capernaum, every demon was cast out and every sickness was healed. What was the difference? Was the response to the word. And so angels are observing, and obviously God himself is observing. And let me just remind you that when you say amen, it is not Pentecostal call and response. And even though preachers joke, it doesn't speed them up any. Okay, it does get us going. But it's not emotionalism. When you're saying amen, preach it, that's good. Come on, I believe it, that's right. Whatever phrase you're throwing in there, what you're doing is what happened with Ezra and Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah. When Ezra would preach, the people would say amen. They were saying, I'm in alignment with God. I'm in alignment with the word of God. I'm in alignment with the man of God. Hallelujah. And that's what's happening here as you say amen. Hallelujah. I want to take you and show you what revival is in a four-letter word and show you the words God gave me. The first word is the word work. In Luke 10, 2, the Bible says the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Can I just pause here and say, stop praying for a harvest. It's already there. It already exists. And according to Scripture, it's already God's harvest. He's already designed it, destined it. We just need to get out and work in it. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. We've got to rise up and work. We've got to go while it's yet day. We've got to do the effort of praying and talking and witnessing and planting and watering and expecting God to give the increase if we're going to have the revival He wants. Setting around waiting for them to come is not a biblical concept. Can I go a step further? Simply inviting people to church is not a biblical concept. We are to take church to them. We are to bring heaven to earth. We are to go into the darkness and shine the light so that they may see, so that they may find deliverance, so that they might be healed. You are not just the church on Sunday while we're gathered together. You are not just the church on Wednesday when we're having Bible study. You are not just the church at a camp or a conference meeting or youth congress. You are the church every day, everywhere you go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am grateful that a hundred and how many is it, Brother Pastor Trevor? 115, I'm grateful that 115 Bible studies have been uh, taught uh, by 34 different people. But if you do the math, that means those 34 are averaging about three or four apiece. Uh, now, I'm grateful for that, and I'm not trying to dog on that. But would to God that another 34 of you would get on board and start teaching some Bible studies. How much more could we reach this world? I love the stories I'm hearing. I heard one this week of someone who in a break room or, or at a work uh, situation was witnessing and crying and the presence of God filled that place. That's what I love to hear because that's church on the campus of a job site somewhere. That's what it means to be a kingdom ambassador. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I'm grateful. That we know what it is to work, and thank you for that. I believe we've, we've got this down pat a little bit. I believe we understand. But let me also say this. We've got to match our walk and our talk. We say we want revival, but are we talking to people? Are we witnessing to people? In Isaiah 60, I want you to look at this. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine. There's an understood you in the subject. You, arise, shine. Why? For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Right? Watch this. For behold, watch this. Darkness covers the face of the earth, right? Gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen upon you. Wait a minute. Watch this. As long as I'm setting down, there ain't nothing happening. The world's getting darker. And if I sit here and complain about it, and I sit here and just talk about it, it ain't doing one blessed good. But when I arise, when I get up, all of a sudden, God gets up with me. When you arise, God arises with you. And his glory is seen upon you. And his light shines through you. You know what that means? That means darkness has to flee. That means darkness has to dissipate. Because you're rising up saying, I'm going to do something. It's the spirit of the four lepers. If we sit here, we die. If we go there, we die. If we go there, we might as well get up and do something. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Matthew 28, 19, I didn't give you this, but we know it says to go and make disciples of all nations. That word go means as you are going. It's not just 
when we have a, an event planned on the calendar, Community Sunday or Outreach Weekend or whatever, it is as you are going, as you're going to work, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going to the mall, as you're going to the gas station, as you're going to school, go and make disciples. And by the way, don't just pray, Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, but go. That first word, work, is measurement to the ankles. Now, if I'm standing in a river and water's only to my ankles, it's probably not going to do too much to me, is it? I'm, I'm going to get wet at least up to my ankles, but Brother Daniel, it's not going to knock me down. I'm still in control. Okay, keep that in your mind. Watch this. Let's go to the second word, pray. This is waters to the knee. Pray. It's kingdom praying. A lot of our prayers sometimes are this. Good morning, Lord. Number one, I need you to heal that. Number two, save this. Number four. Now, the Bible does say to make our requests known, but it says to do so with thanksgiving. The Bible also tells us not to pray like others because God already knows our needs. And so maybe if we start praying kingdom prayers, when was the last time we said, good morning, Jesus, uh, what do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to intercede for? When was the last time you asked God what was on his prayer request list? It's, it's praying, not just, not just check marking, I pray today, pray today, pray today, but, but rather praying in a certain place. Luke 11 verse 1, if you look at this verse, it says the disciples observed Jesus praying in a certain place. That was not like this part right here where Sister Dana usually prays. That's not what it's talking about. It's not mentioning a certain place geographically. It was a certain place in the spirit. Why? Because the Jews prayed three times a day. They knew how to pray. They understood what prayer was. But it was rote. It was the same repeated phrases over and over and over and over. And that's why Jesus said, don't pray vain repetition like that. That doesn't move the hand or heart of God. Instead, pray like this. Our Father. You notice how that prayer starts? Our Father. Immediately, you're automatically having to think about somebody else. It's not just my Father. I start praying kingdom when I start realizing I'm not the axis upon which the earth spins. And when I start praying our Father, I realize Matthew's got a need. And maybe God's going to draw me to pray over here for Matthew. And maybe over here, Alicia's got a need. Maybe over here, somebody else. Our Father. I'm talking about praying kingdom prayers. And by the way, you can't pray your kingdom come, your will be done, if you're holding on to your will. You can't pray God's will if you're holding on to yours. Mm. By the way, when Nehemiah went in, he did some work, but he also prayed. So praying and working, we need to do it together. When Daniel prayed, God dispatched to Gabriel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you know if you'll pray kingdom prayers, you'll get kingdom results? If we do what the word says, we'll get what the word promises. Right? 
maybe the reason we haven't been seeing the results we want is because we haven't been praying kingdom prayers. Mm. Let me ask you this. Have you prayed about it as much as you're worrying about it? Have you prayed about it as much as you've posted about it? Have you prayed about it as much as you've complained about it, thought about it? Come on now. Have you prayed yourself empty of yourself so that you can be full of God? Mm. Maybe what we need to do is trade in our prayer life for a life of prayer. Maybe instead of saying, okay, how long have I prayed? In fact, I'm going to help everybody here right now. Stop trying to pray an hour a day. Oh, I know there's a song, sweet hour of prayer. As far as I can tell, the only place we get that from is when Jesus said to his disciples, can you not tarry with me for one hour? And we've made a doctrine out of praying at least an hour. And we've made people feel horrible because they don't pray an hour. So I'm going to help you today. Just pray every day. Pray kingdom prayers. I don't care if it's five minutes, 15 minutes, or two hours. Just pray every day. I would much rather you come back next Sunday and say, Pastor, I did it. Guess what? I prayed every day. I prayed Sunday after I got home, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I even prayed this morning. That's eight days in a row. I'd much rather you come back in here next Sunday saying, I've prayed eight days in a row than to go home and try to pray an hour and feel defeated. You're going to pray a lot more effective. Because here's the problem. We're, we're praying prayers where it's, it's a whole bunch of, oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, I love you, Jesus. And, and we're just kind of stumbling and fumbling trying to find stuff. Listen, it's a conversation. Now, this, what I'm doing, is a lecture. You're not lecturing God. Prayer's supposed to be a conversation. So maybe every once in a while, speak, Lord. Your servant hears. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be uh, liberal or, or sound like I'm not for prayer. You know I'm for prayer. And there is something to be said of lingering in prayer. I get that. But instead of worrying about the clock, start worrying about, am I connecting to Jesus? Hmm. Now, I think for the most part, TCO has the first two measurements down pretty good. You guys love to work. 34 people teaching Bible studies, you know. I think 80-something last year got taught. So praise God. There's a sense of working. There's a, there's a sense of prayer. We've had prayer revivals. We've had prayer meetings, you know. I, I, and I appreciate that effort. I think, I think we've pretty much got the first two down pat. But if I'm standing in water up to my knees, I'm still in control. And so... What I'm about to tell you is the level that breaks in order for the fourth level to come. Now, let me just say this. It's, it's not trying to be just overly obvious, but you don't go from one to two to four. You have to get to three. You have to, you have to succeed in three to get to four. Does that make sense? And so what I'm about to say, if we don't get three and if we don't do three, We'll never get to four. You see, vision 
prophetic vision is one thing. It's that faith that, you know, substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. It's, it's out there. I'm reaching for it. I'm calling it forth by faith. But if I don't do the action steps to get there, because what did James say? Faith without works is dead, right? And, and, and this is the level where a lot of people get off the bus. Here's why. We like to be in control. As long as I can stand in the river, and, and, and the third measurement is to the waist, I can still stand in some pretty harsh rivers and be in control. I can get my footing, and the current is not going to take me under. Are you with me? And, and, and what happens is we kind of dabble up to the waist, but we stop there. But if you remember Ezekiel's vision, there's a fourth measurement. If Ezekiel would have stopped, he'd have never seen it, never felt it, never experienced it. And so what I'm about to share is that prophetic step. Now, let me also say this. The Bible says in the book of Joshua that the day that they ate of the corn of the New Test of the uh, promised land, on that day, the manna ceased. Here's why that's important. Are you ready? What God wants to do for every one of you, what God wants to do for the Church of Omaha, what God wants to do for earthen vessels in Santa Fe, what God wants to do for Blair, what God wants to do for Nebraska City, amen, what God wants to do in Norfolk, the Spanish work one day, all of these other things. Here's what God wants to do. Ready? He wants to take us from a manna measured mindset to a multiplied mindset. Watch. When manna came, I could only take enough for that day for my family. If I took more, it spoiled. But in the promised land, I could eat as much as I wanted. There was no, you can only have two ears of corn, one loaf of bread, and two fish. There was no measure. Now, this is not about eating, so don't, don't you know, be analytical on me here and say, well, you'd get overweight. No, the point is, it's going from a measured mindset in God to this is all I deserve. And what they do in the wilderness, they just walked in circles. They praise God, our shoes never wore out. Oh, hallelujah. Shoes never wore out. That's great. Praise God. 40 years, my shoes haven't wore out. They just kept seeing the same scenery over and over and over and over and over and over. And that got really boring. That's a measured mindset. It's church as usual. Well, we came to church today. Somebody spoke in tongues today. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Somebody got healed today. It's just the same thing over and over, but it's measured. And what God wants to do is say, no, I want you to eat of the corn of over here where it's multiplied. Because the day they did, the manna ceased. And what we're about to experience is a manna ceasing moment. All right. Are you ready? One more example before I tell you what the third measurement is. Every time Jesus came in contact with bread, he did the same four things in the same order. He would first receive it. He would secondly bless it. He would thirdly, we don't like the breaking. We love the receiving. We love the blessing. But when God breaks something... Oh, but watch this. Then he gives it. 
Now, take that. Every time he has bread, he did it with the two disciples on the Emmaus Road. He did it with the Last Supper. He did it every time they ate bread. He did it with the feeding of the 5,000. Watch this. He took the boy's lunch. He received it. He blessed it. He broke it. And then here's what he did. Where did it start multiplying? Does anybody know? When they passed it out. When it got into the hands of the disciples. And they started going, okay, you want some? Here you go. That's weird. Okay, there's still some more. All right, well, wow. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know how this is. Okay, you guys got enough? Okay, all right. As they began to disperse it, it multiplied in their You see, here's what God is wanting to have some people understand. We've been over here in a measured mindset. And God's saying, but I've got a multiplied thing I want to do if you'll just cross this divide, if you'll just get over here. All right. So the third word God gave me. And by the way, let me, I, I know. Everybody's waiting with bated breath. One more thing. It was at General Conference. I was talking to a minister. And all of a sudden, as he began to speak, the Lord just instantly spoke this into my spirit. He finished talking. I ran back into the room. I was in the board meeting and jotted these down as quickly as I could. Later that night, I put some more words to it and had some things. And all week long, God just began to continue speaking. Here's the third word. Give. Give. Put up Mark 12, 41 through 43, please. And Jesus said over against the treasury. Let's imagine that this is where the offering plate was, the treasury. Jesus set over against it. What did he do? He beheld how people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. Right? Isn't that awesome? But there was a certain poor widow. What, what happened with her? She threw in two mites, which make about a farthing, you know. And he says to his disciples, stop the service. I've just seen the biggest offering. Now, let me explain something real quick. The, 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 the treasury pot was, was this, you know, brass-like thing, and, and coins make noise. And so the rich would come in with all their coins, and some of them would have trumpets. They would... You know, because they wanted the Pharisees to see, oh, look, there's brother so-and-so, and he's giving a lot. And they would get the Pharisee's eye. They gave from their abundance. They had about 20 times more of that at home. But with no fanfare, no trumpets, not trying to make a scene, here comes this widow woman. Puts her little two mites in. And Jesus is like, whoa, I've just seen the best offering. Why? Because she gave sacrificially. She didn't give from abundance. And here's what the Lord spoke to me. We've been giving from abundance. We've been given measured. I can give my tithe and this much more. We've measured it. And God is saying, but I want to move you here. 
Now, in Jesus' name, I rebuke the spirit that might think that this is some name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, prosperity junk. It is not. It is God saying, I want to see how you'll give. Because this is the word God spoke to me. If you will give sacrificially, I will reveal myself unconditionally. In Acts chapter 4, you find in verses 2 and 3 that they worked. That's the first measurement. You find in verse 31 they prayed. That's the second measurement. You find in Acts verse uh, 4 and 34 through 37 that they gave the third measurement. And then it multiplied to where it says, and no one lacked. That's about to be the fourth measurement. There have been prophecies. I told you one of Brother Ryan near for this church. There have been other prophecies over this church from men like Rick Stoops and Shane Stoops, men like Jonathan Sanders. There have been men who have prophesied over this entire state, including uh, the early, late, Billy Cole and Mark Morgan and Jonathan Haygood and others. And what God showed me was that he's taking all of these prophecies and he's going to merge them and converge them together and fulfill them as we move into this third level and experience the next. And so, ushers, would you come, please? I have, for these ushers, there is a card or a, an envelope, one per family or per person, however they want them. I've got more if we need them. You will notice on this envelope there's a number. Please do not get confused by that number. I'm not asking you to give that. In fact, I'm not asking you to write anything down yet. This offering that I'm going to ask you to sacrificially give to is called the Christmas for Christ offering. It's due at the end of the year, December 31st. This offering is dear and near to my heart because it's what this church is all about. We're helping in Nebraska City. We're helping in Blair. We're helping in uh, Norfolk. We're helping the Congolese. We're helping the French Africans, the, the Togolese. We're, we're uh, wanting to launch a Spanish church. We're, we're helping in Santa Fe. We're, we're a part of these bodies that are wanting to grow. And it's this offering that helps plant churches, train ch uh, church planters. We've got some young people in this church that in about a year we're going to send them, we're going to pay for them to go to launch. We paid for uh, it's it's a, a training seminar. We paid for uh, Danny and Rebecca to go. And, and this, this offering helps cover some of those expenses to have those persons trained and equipped to plant churches. This helps to reach the North American continent above and beyond any kind of PIMs. Does everybody have one? If you, you don't, the ushers may have some more. I don't want you to think of an amount and just, okay, I can give 100. Again, don't think measured. I want you to think sacrificially. What you can write down. And all I want you to do is just write your name. You don't have to put your address. And next to your name, I just want you to put the amount that you feel that you can give sacrificially by the end of the year. This is a faith promise, a faith pledge. Okay? We're not going to hound you. You know, we're not going to send the police knocking on your door and expecting if, but we're asking that you would pledge it by faith and then give it sacrificially. 
So would everybody take a moment to get ready because I'm going to pray a word of prayer that God has given me to pray. And then I want you to write, not until, do not write yet. And if you've got an amount in your mind, I want you to just take that amount and just delete it for a minute. Okay? Does everybody have a pen and an envelope? Anybody else need anything? I want to, all right, I'm going to pray a prayer that God has given me to pray. And then after we write this down, I'm going to ask the ushers to add it up. They're going to do that and come back and tell me. And then I'm going to reveal the fourth measurement. And we're going to rejoice in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, upon the authority of your holy name and word, I prophesy your desire for the church of Omaha. Let the spirit of sacrifice consume us so that we give liberally as Israel did. So much so that we have to tell people to stop giving because we've received more than enough to accomplish the work. Jesus, let us understand and realize that if we believe and obey you and your prophetic word, we will be established and prosper according to your word. And now on the authority of your name, I release your word to do its work now in and through your church. Let us realize that the exceeding abundance is already at work in us, but that we must release it to receive it in the name of Jesus. It is so. In Jesus' name. I want you to write your amount, if you would, in Jesus' name. If you don't want to write your name, if you feel like you want to be private, that's fine. You know with God. But at least write your amount on there so the ushers can come then and collect these. Shannon, if you got one, I've already written down something for me personally. But if you feel something to add, you do it. If not... I understand, but in Jesus' name. Brother Mike. Pastor Trevor is going to go with him and count these up. If you would turn them in. Well, while they're doing this, I want to tell you something that happened when we were in the rally that I preached in Lincoln. On Thursday morning, before the Sunday, it was the last Sunday, I sent a text to Brother Alphen. I said, Brother Alphen, I feel like there's going to be a shift Sunday night in the service. I feel like something's going to happen at the Section 2 rally that will, that will begin the shift that will reverberate throughout our entire district because that was the first section I preached in. I'll preach in Section 3 and 2 later. Or Section 3 and 1, excuse me. And so he texts back and he said, Amen, I receive it. And I text back and said, Boom. Just, you know, just one word text, Boom. He, he, he texts back, he said, he said, has Near talked to you, Brother Ryan Near? I said, no, I haven't talked to him for about a month. He said, wow, that's interesting. Here's why. At the exact same time that I sent my text to Brother Alphen, that there would be a shift in Lincoln at that rally, Ryan Near was driving through Lincoln, 
texted, Brother Alphen voice texted, and said, the Lord just spoke to me. There's a new moon rising. There's going to be a shift happen in Lincoln this weekend. Same exact time. And it happened. God moved in such a way. There was people that were healed. There was some uh, uh, prophetic word that went forth. Watch this. We've been praying for two specific cities in our, in our state. Sydney and Kearney. Two cities that need a church. Sydney had one. Brother, Brother Mike actually was there. Amen. But, but when they moved the Cabela thing, it, it kind of, but the town's starting to come back up. Anyway, we prayed. Brother Alf and I were in Sydney driving around praying. We also were driving around Kearney and praying. And we prayed, God, send the angel of the city. That's the pastor. And send the angel of the Lord to the city. At general conference, a man walks up to Brother Alphen and says, are you the NAM director for the Nebraska district? He goes, yes, I am. He says, they asked us to write down a name of a town that we feel burdened to go to. And I asked my pastor, and he said it was okay, and he told me to come give it to you. And he handed him a piece of paper, and he had written Sydney, Nebraska down. He lives just over the border in Colorado. He says, I'm working with my pastor. He says, I'm going to be coming to, to start a church there. That's not all. Another minister from Alaska came and said, Brother Alphen, I want to tell you something. He says, there's a lady that lives in, I forget the name of the city in Alaska, but it's very remote. She cuts her own wood, grows her own animals and cows and, and all this. She's, she's a you know, farmer's farmer, you know, and, and, and all this. She's, she can handle her own. She's 60 years old. And she's, she said, I, I'm moving to uh, uh, someplace in the Midwest because I've got some family there. And uh, so she worked it out with her pastor. And so she he said, well, where are you going? Sydney, Nebraska. Wait a minute. She's already been on site. I believe her mom and dad have been taught a Bible study, and one of them got the Holy Ghost. And we ain't even got the pastor there yet. The church hasn't officially started yet. But then, on Sunday night, the word goes forth, and during this time when the ushers were counting, God began to just do some things and encourage a couple came to Brother Alfred and I after the service, had talked with their pastor, and now, this month, November, they're moving to Kearney to open a work and start a church. The very two cities that Brother Alfred and I specifically drove through and prayed in. What I'm telling you is, it's moving from a measured mindset to a multiplied mindset. It's moving from a, well, it might happen or it will happen to it's happening now mindset. And that's what God is doing in this shift. Now, let me also say this. This is not just going to be a flash in the pan, one-time sacrificial thing. Because here's what God's going to do. As you step out in faith and give, God's going to bless your finances back. We know that according to Scripture, okay? But here's what's going to happen. God's going to bless in such a way that sacrifice becomes a part of who we are. Because a part of Malachi 3 and that prophecy is that he rebukes the devourer for our sakes. Is there anybody tired of the enemy devouring some things? Amen. That's going to happen. In Jesus' name, because we're, we're moving into kingdom authority. We're moving into kingdom understanding. You see, religion wants you to look for something yet to come. 
but the kingdom, you realize it's now. Oh, yeah, there's new heavens, new earth coming. I'm looking forward to that, too. I'm looking forward to the trumpet and, and Jesus returning, just like the rest of you. But, but I'm also operating in the kingdom where right now in the kingdom, I'm operating and moving in the spirit. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Wow. Wow. Are you ready? $19,036. Let me tell you why that's significant for just a minute. Prior to this, the largest single offering in a whole district event, the, all, the entire district, all 30-some churches and preaching points together and pastors, was in 2020, and it was 11,500, the whole district. This is one church, $19,036. Folks, that's phenomenal. Now, praise team, I want you to get ready with... You are good, or whatever that song was. Are you ready for the fourth measurement? Now watch. Watch this. Work is the ankles. Pray is the knees, right? Give is the waist. But I'm somewhat still in control, right? But as I release and give sacrificially, the fourth measurement, after the angel measured again, Ezekiel specifically says these words. He says, and then it was waters to swim in. Here's what he's saying. I couldn't touch bottom, and the river took me wherever it wanted to go. In other words, no longer was I in control. I just flowed with the river, and the Bible says in that Ezekiel passage that the river, everywhere it went, it brought life. Everywhere it went, it brought healing. So here's the fourth measurement. It's the word time. But not time as in it's going to take time. But time as in Psalm 102 verse 13. Here it is. You shall arise. The you or thou is God. Remember a while ago? If we'll rise, God gets up with us. Right? Watch this. Here it is. The word of the Lord. God shall arise and have mercy upon Zion. That's the church. For the time to favor her. Yea, the set time is come. Can you throw up John 4? I didn't give it to you, but can you find it fast? John 4, 23. The set time has come. It's now. It's not coming. It not, it's not will be. But look at this. The hour cometh and now is. The fourth measurement is time. And God says to the church of Omaha, it's time now. I prophesy to the wind to blow in the name of Jesus to Norfolk, to Nebraska City, to Blair, to Santa Fe, to the Togolese, to the Congolese. In the name of Jesus, now is the time. Hallelujah, stand to your feet. We're going to take a minute to rejoice. We're going to take a minute to thank God. Amen. I believe 
I'll have to look at the books to be for sure with Brother Sal tomorrow. But I believe that in the history of this church, including Pastor Tony, I believe this is one of the largest offerings ever raised. I know there was a, a global missions offering one time, and one person gave like 40000 from an estate sale. But other than that, I think this is the largest single offering ever pledged or given in this church. I believe God is saying, I'm moving you now into that mindset of multiplication into that place of power. Come on, do you believe He's good? I want you to rejoice. I want you to take a minute to thank God. I want you to take a minute to worship Him. I want you to praise Him because the miracle has already happened.